Monster Crush is a horny, light-hearted dating show by and for people who love monsters a lot. All monsters are presumed to be of age and are presumed to have given enthusiastic consent in our fictional fuckery. Take care of yourself when listening and see our episode description for all content warnings. Welcome to Monster Crush, a podcast that's a little spooky, always sexy, and surprisingly educational. Every episode, we dare to find love in all the wrong places on our never-ending quest for the best monster smooches. I'm Derek, and I'm joined once again by Jordan, a.k.a. the Lady Dame. Hi, LD. Oh, hi. Oh, hello. Welcome back. Hi, howdy. Thanks. I am so happy to be back. Very happy to have you. We we have some bittersweet news here at Monster Crush in the sense that uh, this this wonderful project began a long time ago with two very wonderful women who both became so very busy due to their wonderfulness. Heavenly has gotten really busy. She got a promotion recently at work, which has her working honestly ungodly hours. The, uh, the food industry is is nightmarish. Uh, in, in what it does to its employees. But nonetheless, Hemley's making more money. She's moving up in her career. She is she's hitting those goals. And she decided we decided together uh, that Monster Crush shouldn't just sit by the wayside and gather dust uh, while while she was busy. So together we made the joint decision uh, for me to move forward and find a guest to to step in for however long. Heavenly needs to step out. And and maybe, you know, if Heavenly does come back, maybe this could be a lovely little threesome. Threesomes are fun. I said what They're I said. Great. I said what I said. <laughs> uh so so LD has been incredible enough to to say yes to all this. As we've mentioned in LD's guest episode not so very long ago, uh someone who has all the bona fides when it comes to monster smooching. Uh, LD was the first person I was going to ask as, as a dear friend and as a fellow monster fucker. There was there was no one else. That that asked. So yes, with Heavenly, when Heavenly decides to come back, I want you all to know that that she has uh, always her her weird little kneeling chair is is always warm for her. Uh, she is always welcome back to the show. But yeah, we wanted to keep the monster smooching it's going important. and. Uh, yeah, I, I know this feels like, you know, your stepdad t- taking over. Like, I didn't start this show. I, it was it was Heavenly and Ellie who, who did wonder, a wonderful job at laying the foundation for this show. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to be your step. You got to hang out with your stepdad for a little bit. It's cool. We're going to watch, you know, R-rated movies <laughs> and eat Cheetos on the couch. And you know what? It's It's fine if you fart. It's fine. I don't care. It's it's cool. We're hanging the out. Stepdad and the weird wine okay. aunt. Yeah, it's yeah. I was gonna say it's it's your stepdad and his new girlfriend. But I also like the weird <laughs> wine aunt. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's the the metaphor is all there. It's fine. Either way, really. No, it doesn't. No, uh, whatever. Just got lipstick on the teeth. <laughs> so 
LD, it is October. It is. And and every year the unofficial theme for Monster Crush has been to take classic monsters, you know, your your Draculas, your Wolfmans, uh wolf peoples, mm-hmm. uh your Frankensteins, yep. uh witches, I had nothing for witches, uh creatures of black lagoons. Uh-huh. And and try to find a cryptid version of them. Oh. You know, oftentimes we have done much longer episodes with where we try to fit in like one of each. It's not going to be that. I I I figured that because this is a special episode, this is, of course, your first official. co-host episode, uh, indeed, it is also an episode divisible by five, which I've been trying to like cover some heavy hitters, but we hit like the tens, the fifteens, and so on. Interesting. Uh, okay. Right. You know, sure. some, some of the cryptids that kind of like stand out on their own, like so far we did uh, Kraken was our was our comeback one. We've done the Ropin, which is kind of a, a bigger one. And, I'm sorry, uh, the you know, Ropin? Of course, Bigfoot was over two. The Ropin, yeah, the Ropin, which is a pterosaur-like creature, which has um, a lot of religious fervor behind it because um, Christian cryptozoologists believe that if they can prove that it's real, they can also prove that man lived alongside dinosaurs and that God's also real. Okay. So, That's a lot of, that's a, that was a lot of, it's like Christian cryptozoologists. And I just, like, I hear rope in and all I think is like a rope with teeth, like a mimic sort of thing. So mm-hmm. there's a lot happening mm-hmm. in my head right now, but okay. It's a bioluminescent pterosaur that also grave robs in Papua New Guinea. Um, and sometimes like attacks people and yeah. And a Hi. lot of dinosaur cryptids, like, oh no, like plesiosaur cryptids sure. also have a lot of christian believers behind them a lot of like like even the creation museum uses nessie as evidence that man and dinosaur lived side by side because dinosaurs are still around so that is proof that the earth is only you know a thousand years old or whatever they fucking think oh uh, okay right it's all creationist sure yeah yeah we were all in the garden of eden with nessie Uh uh-huh i yeah yeah believable as anything really Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I figured we would tackle one of the heavy hitters, and uh, on top of that, your most recent guest episode was just chock full of were creatures, so which many. I know absolutely know is your thing. Yes. So I th- I thought we'd go to the the inverse of that and bring you a vampire. Oh, of course, you know, sure. So so we are going to do a bloodsucker for this special episode. Perhaps the most famous vampire cryptid there is. LD, today I bring you the chupacabra. <gasps> You know, when you said bloodsucker, I was like, this is not a humanoid vampire. I'm delighted. It depends. It depends well, on what you think a chupacabra is because it's complex. They are. Uh, for our, our listeners who have been listening since the beginning uh, or just like to call me out every time I say something wrong, I realize it's somewhat often. I do realize that I mixed up the Isle of Wight and the Isle of Man in a recent episode. Don't How dare you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, whatever. One of them has the National Poo Museum of the UK. The other one doesn't. I can't remember which is which. I think it's the Isle of Wight. Anyway, so if for those of you who have been listening since the beginning and keep better notes than, than we do, I promise I'm trying to do re-listens to get better notes, um, you would know that the Chupacabra was actually covered way back in episode 12 with Heavenly and Ellie. Uh, there was the episode, Cause Baby, You Got What They Need, which was all a vampire-esque episode. But it was a surface-level exploration. I think they maybe spent like 10 minutes on the Chupacabra. Okay. We're going to do a whole episode because there's a lot. There's a lot to the Chupacabra because there's not just one type of Chupacabra is the other thing. Really? Really. This is fascinating. So 
you know, even though this seems like, again, your stepdad is giving you like leftover pizza for dinner, I'm going to put it in the oven. I'm going to reheat it the smart way, or I'm going to like put it in a like cast iron skillet with a little bit of water just so like the cheese melts just right. This isn't a microwave episode. Right. This is gourmet <laughs> reheated this pizza is when you put for like, you all. A little bit of extra Parmesan and a little extra mozzarella to make it extra Absolutely. cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get real bougie, buy a DiGiorno and shred some actual mozzarella yourself. <laughs> pop that on top. That's where it's at. Yeah, yeah. it's worth the calories. So, like I was saying, the difficult thing when it comes to the Chupacabra story is that there are at least two, maybe even three, very different beings that go by the name Chupacabra. And when I say Chupacabra, it is technically El Chupacabra. The original version had an S at the end that wasn't really pronounced. Uh, They eventually took the S off. Interesting. It's been it's been Americanized a lot because there's an American version. There's there are the two versions of the chupacabra. If we were going to categorize them, we would have the OG, the original Puerto Rican chupacabra, mm-hmm. and then we would have the Texas chupacabra, which are also sometimes called blue dogs. There's also a third kind which has the name the Grunch that we're not going to cover because its name is The Grunch, and I love The Grunch, and The Grunch has enough to stand on its own, so I'm going to save The Grunch for another episode. Oh, good. Maybe a Christmas episode. (laughs) It might be a Grunch Grinch episode. I can't promise that, but maybe. Oh, my God, please. I was going to be so sad when you said we're not covering The Grunch, but I'm like, but it's The Grunch. It's The Grunch. I will will absolutely save it for later. It's, It's technically a New Orleans chupacabra. That's like oh, sure. green and like it's been cited a couple of times. Uh, we're going to try to stick to Texas, Latin America. Gotcha. Is is really where the like their stories are weirdly prolific across the world. But when you get outside of Latin America and southwestern United States, it becomes a lot more um, like individual sightings. Very, very, you know, spread out. Sometimes it's like desanguinated animals. Sometimes they see something, but it's not like these um, spates of you know. It's not like these uh, these flaps is the term flaps of sightings of of cryptids. Oh, uh, like as in like a bunch of them all happening around the same time. Kind right, of thing? right. Where there's, there's like there's flap? we'll get to, flap. Flap is used for cryptids. Is used for UFOs. Uh, a flap of sightings. Yeah. Hmm. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Okay, all right, yeah. All right, we're learning stuff. Okay. It's very um, educational. And yeah, I think if I was going to include the Grunch, uh, this this would be a, long, a really long episode. I, okay. We're, we're going to have our hands full already with the Puerto Rican and Texas variations. Okay. And we'll get into like what they look like in a bit. But I do want to ask you before we get into all of that, how old do you think the Chupacabra legend is? Like, how old do you, like, do you think... Like chupacabras were being spoken about hundreds of years ago. If you were to put like a a, a decade to this, decade century, uh, when do you think chupacabras were first brought into the milieu? For some reason, I have like eighteen hundreds, maybe in my head. Okay, yeah. I think, yeah, okay. that would be my so, guess. So just at some point in the eighteen hundreds, yeah. Okay. That that is a fair guess. It's 1995. Shut up. <laughs> 1995. Wait, I'm older than a chupacabra. 
you are old. We are both older than the first sighting of the Chupacabra. The same month that Michael Jordan announced his return to the Chicago Bulls, a month before the Oklahoma City bombing, and the same year as the O.J. Simpson murder trial, was when the first Chupacabra sighting occurred. It's it's. Does that make Chupacabras? Wait, does that put? The, they're not quite Gen Z because Gen Z starts at 1996, but like they're think, the tail uh, yeah. end of a millennial. I think they're, yeah, tail end millennials, yeah. That's hysterical. Okay, cool. And there are, so let me put it this way. There are sightings which can tie into the chupacabra mythos. Sure. But the first time that what what a Puerto Rican chupacabra is described as, that happens in 1995. There's there's previous times when, and we'll we'll go through, there's a timeline actually on Princeton University's EDU website (laughs) has a chupacabra timeline with one of the... Worst website design. I mean, it's it's a early internet website design. It's great, um, but it has it has a couple of things that occur in, in decades previous. But we're still talking like late 1900s. We're still talking post World War II that these these sightings occurred. So yeah. So uh, let's begin with the uh, the start of this cryptid, Puerto Rico, March 1995. Eight sheep are discovered dead. Uh, each reportedly drained of blood, exsanguinated is the term. Investigators are called into this farm and they find on the sheep two to three strange puncture wounds in the bodies of the animals. Very like vampiric-like or triangular in shape. Uh, the investigators decide that it's likely an animal attack, although they cannot, you know, there's no blood on the ground as far as they can tell. The animals are drained, as far as they can tell. So they say, uh, it's a fox. Maybe it's any of the numerous packs of wild dogs that live in Puerto Rico. Because there are so many wild dogs in Puerto Rico. They're actually called jungle dogs. If they get really feral and, like, go into the jungle and only come out to, like, attack people, they're called jungle dogs. I mean, that would seem logical to me, but yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But a few months later, in August, an eyewitness named Madeline Tolentino, her name is, like, just synonymous with this, with with this, with like in the way that um, Patterson Gimlin are connected to Bigfoot, Madeline Tolentino is connected to Chupacabra. She reports the first visual sighting of this creature in the Puerto Rican town of Canavanas. And she, so around that time, 150, upwards of 150 farm animals and pets were being killed, sanguinated or mauled or, you know, found dead. It's a lot. Her eyewitness testimony, paired with a couple other additional sightings in that time span, would be the basis for the original understanding of what a chupacabra visually is when we're talking about the Puerto Rican chupacabras. Okay. So what did she see? What, what is a Puerto Rican chupacabra? According to Madeline and several witnesses, the chupacabra is a three to foot tall monkey-like creature with no tail. Uh, it has gray or greenish skin that is sometimes scaly, sometimes hairless, sometimes very hairy, or sometimes feathered. Depend depends on who you ask. There's there's a lot going on there. The, uh, that's really really specific description. That uh huh. Mm-hmm. It has very large oval red eyes that sometimes glow. Okay. Uh, their eyesight, perhaps paired with the screeching noise that they were known to make would actually give some eyewitnesses nausea when they looked into the glowing eyes and heard this screeching. Cool. It also apparently makes a really weird noise when it slurps blood, but I didn't find any, like, onomatopoeic sort of description of what that's like. 
Um, it has a long serpentine tongue, has claws, of course, spines on its back, which Madeline actually originally said she thought were feathers, but then another uh, eyewitness said were spines. Okay. Uh, and uh, some people said that those spines or feathers could also perhaps double as wings. So sometimes the chupacabra has wings. And of course it has fangs of for exsanguinating its prey, of course. Naturally. Uh, the most inefficient form of exsanguinating anything. Right? You need a proboscis. Another interesting thing is that, so it is often bipedal. Uh, mm -hmm. Even when it was, like in some sightings, people first spot it on all fours, but like when they shine a flashlight on it, it gets up on its back legs. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't walk. It hops like a kangaroo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in one sighting, it hopped 20 feet from point A to point B in one instance. It's pr pretty sizable for a three to four foot tall creature. That's that's really far. Yeah. It also leaves, is known to leave a bad sulfur-like stench in its wake. Uh, and Get yeah, that like devil point. association in there nice. Yeah, exactly. That that brimstone-like smell that's, that's often associated. Absolutely. Um, and when zoologists were asked, of course, they're like, nothing. That's, this is nothing. This is, this is nothing that we know about. Stop bothering us. <laughs> go, go to the cryptozoologist. They'll, they'll deal with this. Not as honest zoologists who make real money, panda money. How dare you? Real panda money. Real panda money. Again, it is uh, sometimes said to have wings, and many reports also have it swooping down or leaping down, uh, often like from above or at least from trees. And through the end of 1995, the chupacabra had been blamed for over a thousand, I said that weird, for over a thousand mysterious animal deaths in Puerto Rico, all resulting from blood loss through one or more puncture wounds. Huh. Yeah. And that's a lot. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big body count there for a a baby cryptid really a yeah yeah fresh out of the the hatch you know <laughs> fresh out of the womb baby cryptid don't know nothing mm -hmm. yeah no it's uh, it, it's an impressive body count because it's when you also assume that there has to be more than one right right like if we're talking about just in a year this thing is even a thousand really a thousand mm -hmm. that's a lot that had to be the chupacabra and not like any of the many feral animals and wild animals that live in that area but okay it couldn't have been them yeah nope. couldn't have been them had to be the chupacabra that is like both hairy and but and skin and feathers and maybe has like wings. a lot of variations yeah. to it uh -huh. i mean you know there are some right there's some animals that have pretty well you think about like dogs there's dogs mm -hmm. look really different not there's no dogs that i know of with wings but you know <laughs> not dogs. yet and the like let, double let humanity get get at them for a little bit longer we've <laughs> already made the boston terrier god's yeah. worst animal oh those poor things anyway oh let's make something that can't breathe yeah. so uh, there was a another farmer uh his name was jorge who had uh, apparently his report was and this is maybe where the hairy thing comes from he reported that uh while he was sleeping one night he heard his his chickens losing their mind but could not be bothered to go out and do anything about it. And sure. apparently when he went out in the morning, they were all dead and they'd all been drained of blood. Well. And he did reportedly find some fur. And he called the police and a policeman showed up and he gave the fur to the policeman to, you know, figure out what it was. And he never saw the fur or the policeman ever again. Hmm. So that's that's the end of that story. Gotcha. Uh, uh, 
other evidence has been like you know i think the only other physical evidence for the puerto rican chupacabra is uh some feathers that maybe had chupacabra spit on them question mark but nothing else besides that chupacabra spit interesting supposedly allegedly okay yeah i assume that's also sulfurous and that's how they determined that was chupacabra maybe maybe they tasted it and they're like oh no this is definitely chupacabra spit spit. tastes like cotton candy yeah so uh, uh, the first couple images here um so i'm gonna double check uh the first three images i think are that i sent you uh-huh. are are interesting that we'll, we'll kind of get to here but the first one especially that is what that that drawing is what madeline tolentino said she saw oh so spines bipedal yeah claws got spots um very uh like gray alien like yeah the big uh, eyes on it it yeah. looks very traditionally like an alien absolutely and we're gonna get into maybe why that is but before that, and before we get to the Texas Chupacabra, I completely forgot that we probably should do our spooky news. <gasps> spooky news? Spooky news. We didn't have spooky news last time. We didn't. We were very busy. It was we were. There were a lot of wire creatures. There was actually a fun bit of spooky news that I saw uh, actually trending on Twitter, and I went to actually double check that it wasn't some Twitter bullshit, and I'm not going to call it by its name now. It's Twitter. God it damn is it. Twitter. But apparently, there was a pretty decent Bigfoot sighting, in my very humble opinion, that Newsweek picked up because I'm not going to use uh, the wa- or no the New York Post. I'm not using the New York Post ever. No. But uh, so Shannon Parker and her husband Stetson, great name. That's a great- oh. I Stetson. love that for them, for, uh-huh. for husband Stetson. Man, his parents must have been like real committed to the cowboy aesthetic. Yeah, I'm going to assume they're both white as hell. Yep. Are, they both were riding on a popular train through Colorado when they spotted a bizarre figure moving through the mountains. That's according to Newsweek. And uh, LD, I'll have you watch the video here as I, as I read through what happens. But um, apparently they saw a Bigfoot. So this couple's oh. riding the narrow gauge train from Durango, Colorado to Silverton, Colorado. God damn, a man named Stetson on a train out of Durango. Oh, that's that's man, that's that's a line. Like you if you that was in a novel, you'd be like, absolutely not. Like it's too <laughs> no. Man named Stetson. That's like a Chuck Tingle his, his character. Wife. Stetson and Shannon on the train out of Durango. Uh, so apparently they're on this train. Wait, is this the real, is this the video they took? Yeah. So you're seeing a, a hairy figure walking just like across the, the prairie seemingly. Yeah. Go ahead and, go ahead and describe what you've seen. I, I'm not going to, not going to take this from you. It is a short video. Oh my gosh though. There, there's that middle chunk in the video that's posted to this Newsweek where it's shockingly clear. It, it, Absolutely. it looks like a traditional Bigfoot. Like yeah. it's a somebody on two feet, fully head to toe covered in hair, and mm-hmm. they're moving like a human. They look about to be human size. Like there's nothing like yeah, hard to get scale. Hard to hard know to, how much that that brush yeah. is. Yeah, how big that. But I mean, they're not like moving like 
wild. So yeah, you you got like this brush that, land, a lot of brown. But it looks like they're fully head to toe covered in fur. It looks like a very traditional Absolutely. depiction of Bigfoot. That's wild. I mean, it could be somebody in a Bigfoot suit, but like, dang, it's a nice Bigfoot suit if it is. Also, why would you be out? Yeah. I think in the middle of nowhere in a, middle of nowhere in in a fur suit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, some people get off in certain ways. Well, uh, that, you know, I you know, as I said that I did, <laughs> I did realize that there that would be for some people. But by themselves, there didn't look to be anything else around. So. The, there's there's a couple of thoughts to this. Uh, the uh-huh. first thought is if this is a hoax, it's somebody who knows the train's going through, right? There's nothing yeah. else around except for the train. So right. if somebody's going to do a hoax, that's that's a good place to do. You got a bunch of people. True. Um, the other thing is, yeah, but why though? Like, why? Mm-hmm. What what I particularly love about this is, yeah, the the Bigfoot pres- presumably this this Bigfoot strolls across this i mean it's got a lot of brown mm-hmm. brush it's it's a very you know you know dark brownish yellow kind of it, landscape like, doesn't stand out necessarily amongst the rest of the landscape it sort of blends exactly in. when he crouches he blends perfectly in and that's what strikes me so much is mm-hmm. that yeah absolutely like i you know i've said this before when you go in the forest sometimes you don't see animals until they're right on top of you because that's the point they blend exactly. in with their natural environment. You know, I live on a farm now where there's deer constantly going through our yard. And there's been times when I have been 10 feet from a deer and I don't know it until like they scare me because I yeah. look over and there's, you know, a deer sized creature just there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you've got something that's quiet, that blends in. Absolutely. Uh, she posted some photos to, to social media and. I don't know. There's there's one picture that makes it look just a little too hairy in the Henderson. The fur looks a yeah. little too clean. But uh-huh. at the same time, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not bad. It's not bad footage, all things it's told. Not. So so yeah, you can go and check out uh Shannon Parker is is again her name. She posted on her own um in or her own Twitter, Instagram. Uh it's on Out There Colorado on Out There Co on Twitter, she posted to her Facebook and yeah, you can just, you can literally Google Bigfoot and, and see it out there. Uh, yeah. I, I think also it's interesting. Feel like, it is interesting. I also feel like that if you were doing it as a hoax to like fool the people on the train, if you, if you were the per, if it was a person in a suit doing it as a hoax, like the action is that they're walking across and then they crouch down, almost blending into the brush and are mm-hmm. doing, and just doing subtle, slight movements. Like if you were really trying to like create a hoax I get or if you really wanted people to notice you you would stay standing and walking because that's how people would notice you that's true whereas like the minute they crouch down again they blend in so well with the grass that it's like oh that's, that's you know true. we do find out if Stetson has like a brother who recently purchased a monkey suit or like a Chewbacca costume because <laughs> yeah I mean they're getting they're getting popularity oh, out yeah, of this that I one can't picture blame does look hairy in the Hendersons doesn't it really it? does that's yeah like, the, fa- really, the face yeah. is just a little too uncovered but that's also uh-huh. the real insidious thing about big hoaxes is that they have become so subtle yeah. in their design is that they know you don't go out there and beat your chest you do something very subtle and very like you know that oh this one person captioned this one thing I mean again the Patterson Gimlin film Patty's just walking she's uh-huh. just she's just strolling you know there's nothing 
overly scary about it. It's just an animal that is leaving the area because another animal has entered it. So I will say the fur does look very well kept and very right. shiny. It's very shiny, which, very smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and this is coming from like a wig person uh-huh. and somebody who does hair for a living. Like the shininess is a dead giveaway that it's not real. <laughs> Yeah, being like, out in the Colorado wilderness. To, I wanted to be real so bad because it's so good, but also like, it, if you're out in the dusty Colorado, like natural natural fur, natural fibers, mm-hmm. uh, get are more matte. And it is Shiny okay to question things. It, it is okay yeah. for us to to question things and also want it to be real. We we have yeah. a responsibility to when to make sure that when these things are real, that's when they matter. Mm-hmm. It's just a little shiny for like just from the looking. I mean, the video is really impressive. Looking at the pictures, I'm like, that's really shiny fur. Mm-hmm. It's really shiny. There are some people who have very shiny hair, but like you have to have like really good product to keep it that way. And if you've ever like been to a Ren fair where it's really dusty, <laughs> y'all know what you're, what everything looks like at the end of it. I'm just saying. So that's all I had for spooky news. Just a pretty pretty decent it's Bigfoot sighting. All things told. Well, I love Bigfoot. He's great. <laughs> Honestly, so I'm, we'll talk about this with the Chupacabra as well, getting back into it. But I think the Texas Chupacabra and Bigfoot, probably in that order, are the two most believable American cryptids for me. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe tying in the Ozark Haller a close third, just because mm-hmm. I think that one's maybe uh, a misplaced sighting, a misunderstood sighting. But I think the Texas Chupacabra is probably because we also have... I I just think it's a misunderstanding of what it actually is. But we'll get into it. Okay. So 1995, of course, first Chupacabra. And by the way, let's also get in the name Chupacabra. Um, mm-hmm. Chupacabra, a lot of people know this, Spanish for goat sucker. Uh, chupa yes. meaning to suck. Cabras meaning goat. Uh, mm-hmm. It is, although, of course, it also eats chickens, turkeys, rabbits, cats, dogs, horses, cows, and more. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, since we were talking about UFOs before, there's also a flap of UFOs that occurred in Brazil that were also called chupas. Um, it was actually, there were UFO sightings, uh, um, abductions, and I'm actually going to say outright attacks that were called chupas because the attacks involved the UFO literally trying to beam people up, suck them up into the ship. And it actually left people with like radiation burns, like uh, almost like second degree sunburns on their body from this beam hitting them and trying to pull them off the ground. And then people who outright said that they were abducted. We'll probably cover the um, oh, okay. the Brazil abductions at some point. I only just now made the association with chupas and like, you know, the, the lollipops. The chupa chupas, chups, yeah. With chupa chups, as in like suckers. They're and suckers. Like, oh, oh, I get it. it. Okay. The name means to suck. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. So yeah, have you ever had a chupa chup? That's, they mean to suck. They are suckers. Fascinating. Uh, but the name Chupacabra is actually attributed to Puerto Rican comedian Silverio Perez. Silverio? Yeah, Silverio. Silverio Perez, who coined the navel in 1995 when he was commenting on, you know, the animal attacks and everything mm-hmm. as a sure. San Juan radio DJ. So that's where the name nice. comes from. We can't always trace a, a name back. I think it's uh, by 1995 we should be able to. So I'm glad we can do that. Yeah. And what a, what a legacy to leave behind being right? the person who named the chupacabra. Exactly. 
So by 1996, sightings began in Mexico. Chupacabra mm-hmm. had crossed the Gulf. And um, this Chupacabra was different, though, because the Chupacabra that has been sighted in Mexico and uh, then up into Texas, and even a little bit in Florida, often is canine in description, as opposed to a bipedal little alien creature, right? Sure. So they still leave bloodless animals in the wake of their attacks. Um, mm-hmm. And there actually have been more than 2,000 sightings of both types of chupacabra uh, in, in Puerto Rico and in the, the U.S. and Latin America, uh, because, of course, we had over 1,000 mysterious animal deaths in, in Puerto Rico, but over 2,000 actual sightings have occurred so far. Most of them are the Texas chupacabra. Okay. So the Texas chupacabra, um, again, it's it's very canine-like. It, it basically looks a lot just like a hairless dog or a hairless canine of, of some sort. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes is said to have spines on it, uh, but more often than not, when they actually find them, uh, it's... It's just a hairless dog or, or a dog with mange. Uh, you know, of course, there's the <laughs> the Zolo dog, which is the hairless yes. Mexican dog. Uh, a lot of times they resemble that. Um, and the we'll get into this, the chupacabra that have been so-called chupacabra that have been captured, killed, you know, found on the side of the road. All of them have been canines or similar type animals, raccoons, foxes, vulpines um, mm-hmm. with mange. Of course. But often the description has them having a pronounced spinal ridge, uh, pronounced sure. eye sockets, fangs, claws. Again, the pronounced spinal ridge, pronounced eyes, that's signs of mange and also signs of, uh, you know, starvation. You know, they're, they're right. getting skinnier. So there's not really like there's there's been a ton of sightings of the Texas sure. Chupacabra. There was a police camp footage of one in August of 2008 that got really popular. You can literally see it like running alongside the road and it looks very much just like, you know, this strange creature, this strange canine creature running on all fours. That was in DeWitt County, Texas, where two police officers saw it. A bunch of people have, again, captured, killed. There is a stuffed Chupacabra in a Texas Museum, I believe, there was a woman who had a chupacabra head in her freezer just in case she could finally find a scientist to do an experiment on it and figure out what it is. Uh, but yeah, they always have the long snout, pointed ears, canine-like body. They have tails. So again, that's different than the, the Puerto Rican one. Right. And yeah, coyotes, wild dogs, foxes, raccoons, often infected with mange is is what we end up finding out once we actually you know do tests on the the dna of these things and that's why i find them to be the most believable is because again i i think it's a misnomer to call them chupacabra i do think they're attacking Mm -hmm. animals you know because that's what coyotes do yeah oh yeah but i don't think that they're a cryptid i think they're just sick animals (laughs) Uh, and, and that's why, you know, we're going to get into why, why the chupacabra probably doesn't exist here at this point, because let's get into the theories of what the chupacabra is. So we'll start with the, the Puerto Rican chupacabra, because that is the more monstrous of the two. Yes. It's the least likely to be a real, or it, I mean, just from the image, like, it, the the illustration that I'm looking at right now, it's like, what could that possibly be? Absolutely. Doesn't look like anything. So the first theory is aliens. 
Of course it is. Shh. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of course. It, it looks like an alien. It's got the big eyes. It's got the, the design of the greys, which got popularized by the, I believe, 1965 abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, they were a yeah couple that uh, were allegedly abducted by aliens and first reported on the, as we know them, the gray aliens, which have the big black eyes, the small bodies, small right. mouths. Yeah. If they have mouths at all. Big head, pointy chin. Exactly. And uh, there are UFO stories around Puerto Rico. There, there are a number of stories which can maybe tie in. Um, there's uh, one story of a UFO crash in the uh, El Yuenque Mountains, where supposedly a U.S. military personnel reported off the record to someone, it was like a Reddit post, that they, they found after the crash um, like luminescent blood on on plant material nearby that like something had bled glowing blood and th to be fair this was years before the predator movie so there is that Ooh. um another story a nondescript story basically says that uh there was another ufo crash or maybe the same ufo crash and a bunch of small creatures evacuated out of the crash and after, before the ufo mm -hmm. exploded and it crashed into the side of a mountain and they all went out and are just like living in the jungles of Puerto Rico. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like alien is a decent explanation, especially for a younger sort of cryptid too. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but like it feels like if chupacabras had been around for a lot longer, like we would have or if they were I mm, I should say if they had if they were native to this planet, they would have been around a lot longer. Sure. Or we would have heard of them much earlier than 1995. So we're going to come back to the alien thing in just a second. OK. But there, there, are, there are several other theories all around the, the Puerto Rican chupacabra. Um, they could also be an experimented on or mutated breed of monkey from the nearby uh, Cayo Santiago, which is actually known as Monkey Island because there was a monkey research center there, which uh, has a terrible record of keeping its monkeys where they're supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> it, it has primarily has rhesus monkeys, which break out all the time. They actually yeah. had a history of uh, the monkeys breaking out after the monkeys had been tested on for HIV and AIDS. And the problem is that it's not that far from the mainland and the monkeys have been shown to figure out that they can ride on detritus from the island to the mainland. <laughs> and like the island is just like overrun with rhesus monkeys. Now I think the lab has since shut down, but there's the theory like, what if they made a chupacabra, you know? I, some island of Dr. Moreau kind of st nonsense. Uh, yeah, kind of a little bit. Yeah. If he just focused on monkeys. Right. Um, there also is the theory that these are mutated super soldier dogs. Uh, released by the U.S. Okay. military. Uh, apparently, that yeah. there was the uh, the Dugway Proving Grounds in Utah. Uh, apparently, there's some sort of Reddit post which says, like, you know, the U.S. was trying to create thylacine hybrid dogs. Uh, thylacines being uh, Tasmanian tigers. Yes, Tasmanian right. tigers. Right. Okay. Which are supposedly extinct, are kind of a cryptid in and of themselves because yeah. uh, cryptids in, like, the way the coelacanth is was a cryptid because people, right. they're supposedly extinct but there are some people that say they still see thylacines today in tasmania mm -hmm. 
But the theory is that before the thylacines went extinct, the U.S. government got their DNA, crossbred it with dogs, created uh, created chupacabras, created a hybrid, and then released sure. them on Puerto Rico because it's not a state. Because we own, quote unquote, own it. Quote unquote, yeah, because not enough bad stuff happens there, apparently. That's a direct quote by the U.S. government. Uh, yeah, I, obviously those are a little wild uh, when it mm-hmm. comes to things. Sure. Um, you know, again, when it comes to the Texas Chupacabra in Hood County, Texas, in t- July of 2010, uh, animal control officers shot and killed an alleged Chupacabra. It was taken to Texas A&M. The scientists there at the university conducted tests on it. They found it to be a coyote dog hybrid with mange and internal parasites. That comes up time and time again. Checks um, out. Yeah, I sent you... We'll, we'll actually go through all the pictures here because... Okay. Um, so the the first one's that very classic uh, picture that, that Madeline Tolentino saw. The second yeah. image I find to be very interesting when you look at that. I'm sure you remember from the 90s, the the very ubiquitous alien symbol. I that had kept that going sticker. Around. Yeah, we all did. We yeah. all did. And it just looks so much like that alien. And of course, the imagery had been around for a while. But there's something else that gets pulled into this. Um, so there's a, a man, Benjamin Radford who wrote a book uh, that was published in 2011 called Tracking the Chupacabra. He is probably, I'm going to call him like the preeminent expert on the Chupacabra and kind of blew the story a little bit out of the water uh, because he decided to do a full-on investigation, actually talk to Madeline Tolentino, talk to all of the witnesses he could find, track down all of the, all the sightings, all the stuff he could. He made an interesting discovery when he talked to Madeline. Are you familiar with the movie Species? Uh... I, oh, no. Yes, okay. but no. It is It is a very I, Monster like Crush-esque movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a, a movie about a female alien um, that, uh, let me see if I can, the, the brief IMDb description. A group of scientists try to track down and trap a killer alien seductress before she successfully mates with a human. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, it stars Natasha Henstridge. It's just about a really sexy blonde alien that wants to have sex with a guy. That's, it's, it's the, it's the foundation of monster fucking for a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, Just like this lethal succubus alien that just wants your, your male genetics. Classic monster sucker. Okay. Yeah. A different, different type of sucker right there. Mm Mm-hmm. So that movie, again, came out in 1995 uh, with the, the creature's name was Sill. So Benjamin goes to, to Madeline and is basically asking her, you know, about recent experiences. And she revealed that she had recently seen the movie Spacey's. Oh. And that she believed that what happened in the movie to actually have happened. And that she thought that the creature in the movie was the Chupacabra. No! <laughs> Because when you look at the alien version of Sill, it's a gr- it's not three to four feet tall, but it is green. It does have, you know, it has claws, it has spines on the back. It very closely fits with her description of the Chupacabra, unfortunately. Okay. Now, okay. other people said they saw stuff too, but sure, yeah. for her sighting specifically, the, the person that started perhaps all of this, this hubbub, that's not a great look. No, that's really not. So Benjamin basically wrote it off right there. He's like, if this is the origin of the Chupacabra, then it's built on 
like absent foundation. There's no foundation for it to stand on here. It kind of just crumbles under all this of this. This is built on a foundation of lies. Honestly, well, it's built on a foundation of a woman that believed a, you know, cheap, schlocky 1995 sci-fi movie was actually true. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's not really anything you could say about it. And that's why, again, the Puerto Rican chupacabra doesn't stand as strong as what we mm-hmm. think a chupacabra is, which is actually the, the canine thing. Right. So there's a bunch of other things that go into chupacabra sightings. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about maybe some of the, the stuff that goes back before 1995 here as well. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a number of, there's a number of factors which kind of negate the concept of a chupacabra as well. The concept of a creature that completely exsanguinates an animal as its prey. Um, the first thing is actually a concept called henhouse syndrome and, or the, the henhouse concept. And it is the concept that when a, a predator enters a hen house, when you have a fox that enters a hen house, you have a you know essentially a new environment with one apex predator that is surrounded in a contained environment by all of its food. Yes. And what the predator does in that moment is it just loses its mind, kills everything, can't eat at all, and just leaves everything it can't eat behind to come and get later. So you have a fox that goes, kills all of your chickens, maybe eats one of them, you know, and then you're left with, you know, a dozen, you know, a dozen dead chickens. Right, exactly. And to you, oh no, something drained my chickens of all their blood. There's, there's no, you know, all these chickens are dead. Why didn't it eat them? And that's where we get into the next concept, which is called blood pooling. It's a concept that when a body lies for a certain period of time, all the blood in the body is affected by gravity and pulls to the, the lowest point on the body. It's why you'll also see bruising on on dead bodies of things right. at the, the lowest point of gravity because where all the blood mm-hmm. pools. So when you go to look at something that's been sitting there for a minute, all the blood is, you know, it's, it's clotted. It's not going to come out of the bite wound. And exactly. you have blood pulled and it's going to look exsanguinated you're, and then whenever you try to do you know any tests on it as soon as you cut it open you're not really getting an accurate vibe of, of how much blood is actually in the thing so the reports of blood sucking and all that are never confirmed by a necropsy uh, the only way to, which is the only way to conclude an animal was drained of blood there was a uh, doctor Dr. David Morales who was in a uh, Puerto Rican veterinarian with the Department of Agriculture who actually analyzed 300 reported victims of the chupacabra and found that None of them had been bled dry. Oh, All of them yeah. had been killed by other means. So sure. that also says something. You get farmers who are caught up again in, you know, hearing about chupacabra. They find a dead animal that hasn't been eaten. They take it to the authorities and the authorities go, sorry, this one's still juicy. You can have it back now. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. The chupacabra. So, yeah, it just, it, it gets tough at a certain point is the thing. Like I said, there's a number of, of sightings which, which happen in other places. Again, like Michigan, there's, again, a single sighting in Russia. A lot of these things are when they find animals that have been attacked but aren't dead, supposedly exsanguinated. But, again, most sightings have remained around Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, mm-hmm. Honduras, uh, Mexico, Nicaragua, Panama, Peru, and Southwest United States. A lot of border states. Yeah. Things are not looking good for the Chupacabra being... Being a, being a thing, yeah. We're not making we're not making a good case. I feel like for the chupacabra here, and that's that's what I find so interesting is it became everybody knows the chupacabra, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I would argue, 
Chupacabra is probably in somebody in most people's top five of cryptids they could name. They're all going to name totally. Bigfoot. They probably know Nessie. Um, Mothman's maybe up there. I kind of think Mothman's maybe a U.S. focused. A lot of U.S. people know uh, yeah. Mothman, but I think it's become more popular, honestly. A little but, bit, yeah. But it's definitely I. I only recently learned about Mothman a couple years ago myself. So yeah, they're doing what they can. Go mm-hmm. and uh, go, go to Point Pleasant. They they need the tourism. Check <laughs> check out the Mothman. No, they, honestly, they really do. Um, Mothman Fest is in September. Go and check it out. But yeah, everybody I know has at least heard of the Chupacabra. Yeah, Chupacabra, and, like I said, Bigfoot, Nessie, and then uh, like Yeti, I guess, gets, if you're going to count that as different than than a Bigfoot. But again, Chupacabra is like, I think it's one of the more popular ones when you talk about worldwide. Maybe the Jersey Devil. Maybe, maybe. Jersey Devil. Again, yeah, pretty pretty U.S. focused. Like if you're going to be yeah. looking. Yeah. But I, yeah, it just doesn't. Maybe it's because it's more recent. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to have those two little hoppy legs to to get around on. Uh, the other thing, the interesting thing about the way that it hops, to go back to the weird conspiracy theory with Oh, yeah, the hopping. I forgot about yeah. the hopping. Um, thylacines apparently also were known to sometimes hop on their back feet. Hmm. So, I don't know. Interesting. There's also a lot of sightings okay. of like phantom kangaroos in weird places. So maybe this is a vampire kangaroo and we've been wrong the whole time. It, you know... Kangaroos do end up in the weirdest places. Did I? <laughs> I was once actually working on a show, and a woman had brought a baby kangaroo with her to the show because you could. She couldn't. You can't just like leave them with the babysitter or leave them at home with like you can with a pet when they're babies. They have guess. to have them on you all time. Put it in a so pouch. She yeah. Came to the theater and yeah, with the baby kangaroo. Huh. So like they end up in weird places. They sure That's do. All I'm saying. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been somebody's pet kangaroo. Huh. Or, you know, crossbred with a monkey or something. Interesting. Again. Yeah. And also, I should note, when we do say phantom, we just mean an animal that's not in the place it's supposed to be. Like, there's a phantom kangaroo of Sandusky, Ohio, if I remember right. That's probably just a kangaroo that escaped from, like, a traveling circus or something like that. Sure. Um, I also should probably tell you what mange is. For our audience who might not know what mange is, it is a class of contagious skin diseases caused by parasitic mites seen primarily in domesticated animals. Uh, It's believed that the canine chupacabra sightings are, again, animals infected with mange. And also, uh, in 2010, University of Michigan biologist Barry O'Connor concluded that his conclusion was that all chupacabra reports in the U.S. were simply coyotes infected with the parasite Scarpodes scarabii, whose symptoms would explain most of the features of the chupacabra. They would be left with little fur, thickened skin, rank odor, and again, the like sunken eyes and the pronounced ridge back. And uh, he he thinks that the reason that the, the coyotes are that are infected with this are turning to attacks on farm animals is because they're weakened. So they're not going to go after livestock like rabbit or deer, which can get away. They're going to go after things that are in a pen. Um, And he says, both dogs and coyotes can kill and not consume the prey either because they are inexperienced or due to injury or difficulty in killing the prey. The prey can survive the attack and die afterwards from internal bleeding or circulatory shock presence of two holes in the neck corresponding with canine teeth are expected since this is the only way that most land carnivores have to catch their prey. There are reports of stray Mexican hairless dogs being mistaken for chupacabras. Okay. So that's that's his ultimate determination. And again, it kind of ties in a lot with what other people were talking about. Totally. But again, there's, there's all the weird stuff 
You know, there's other oh. weird stuff. To, to go to that Princeton EDU, which I hope I said Princeton before, not, not another college. I think you said Princeton. Cool. Pretty sure. All right. Yeah. Good on me. Good job, past me. All right. So apparently in the mid-1970s, <laughs> there were sightings of exsanguinated, or there were reports of exsanguinated cattle that were linked to a condor-like animal. And again, sometimes the, the chupacabra said to fly, sometimes it's connected to like a bat monster, weirdly enough. Again, the sightings are weird. Okay. Um, in the early 1970s, a Brownsville, Texas rancher found a bull dead with no blood in it, no tracks around it. 1994, this is where we're getting to Puerto Rico, four to six, quote, little greys were found under a bed that were chased out of a house with a broom. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. Little little greys is the quote. Little yeah. Uh, then we get into the eight sheep found dead. We get into the main sightings. Uh, but there's also... One other big sighting that I think is is interesting when it ties into the story as a whole. It's a monster that has its own name. And, you know, I've talked about this before on the show where sometimes you will get monsters that have location-specific names or event-specific names. And mm. because of that, people won't tie them to a, a, another monster that very well is the same thing. I've talked about this with Loveland Frogman, Dover Demon, uh, and, you know, Hopkinsville Goblins, all very similar, all in the same general regional area, all connected by caves. Uh, but the, in 1975, there were a series of livestock killings in the town of Mocha, Puerto Rico, which were attributed to El Vampiro de Mocha, the vampire of Mocha. Uh-huh. So initially it was suspected that killings were committed by satanic cult. Uh, but later, more killings were reported in the island and farms were losing animals. It started to get kind of tied into the Chupacabra. But again, that's a very long stretch of 1975. I mean, it's literally 20 years. It's a 20-year mm -hmm. uh, span between those those two. But all of the animals in the, the El Vampiro de Moca si uh, reports and sightings was bled dry, supposedly. Sure. So there's that. Um, the last reported sighting of a chupacabra apparently was in 2013. And that's all I got for him. There's, uh, like I said, it, it kind of falls apart a little bit. I still think they're cute. I still think they're fun. Uh, we'll definitely talk about the grunch on a future episode. I'm excited about the grunch. But that's, that's the chup So I guess I technically have two cryptids for you today. I have the Puerto Rico chupacabra and I have the Texas chupacabra, uh -huh. uh, both for your, your viewing, dating pleasure. So presuming they're real let's let's go with that we have uh -huh. we have a hopping bipedal uh eyes and screech that can cause nausea with spines on its back little alien guy and then we got a we got a dog <sighs> You, you know, it's a it's a it's a tough call, really. I I know Man, I know it. Yeah, it like the. It's hard because the the one that's the dog is a dog with mange, and I can't foresee anything else. And like, <laughs> to be fair, I believe the original adjudication for this, because uh, you know, I also uh -huh. I also picked the chupacabra because chupacabra is mm -hmm. not picked as a date. In its first yeah. appearance, I believe Ellie's decision was to take the chupacabra for a walk. So you might yeah, absolutely yeah. repeat that. Like, like I, I would, I would adopt the chupacabra, the Texas chupacabra, as a pet. Uh, maybe give it a really good bath, let it sort of live its best life for as long of a time or short of a time as it has. I, honestly, with, yeah. Like. 
in full white woman glory, <laughs> you know, take on the monstrous looking pet. I I definitely would choose the Texas one over I think the Puerto Rican one. Okay. If only because like it it would be harder to explain. Yeah. As a pet. Yeah. Like, I'm like, he's just really sick. It's fine. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. Please him. don't pet the him. The red eyes. The pl- don't. Yeah. Don't touch. He's don't. The, it's the spines are just a weird growth defect. Don't worry about it. This, the, the bipedal one that hops 20 feet and like, I, it's, it would be harder to explain that. I feel like. Yeah. Um, oh, don't worry. He's just covered in a weird slime. It's okay. Yeah. I just, it, and like harder to keep track of. I yeah. mean, I assume that, that's a lot and and then there's the long tongue thing as i'm looking at this sort of artwork one yeah again like i get the the artwork that i found for this was various because again you have the alien looking one you have the very lizard like one and then it kind of starts getting more canine where it's a dog with spines a cat dog with spines and then you have again the the ones that are the body parts you know you have Mm -hmm. the the head of one that a woman's had in her freezer, which also they determined that one to be a raccoon with mange. Uh, <laughs> and then the one that a guy has, you know, stuffed in his little like trophy room, which is uh-huh. a coyote with mange. Definitely. And then my one of my favorites is the second to last one I sent you, which is like all the variations of how a chupacabra has been portrayed in video games. Where it's just like, yeah, we'll give it oh. wings, or we'll make it a big dog, or we'll make it a lizard monster. Or let's give it, you know, velociraptor feet. It's just, yeah, okay. I would adopt all of them. <laughs> okay. Take them home with me. That is a form of love. Absolutely. That counts. Yeah. I I definitely, I, I don't necessarily, I would not consider any of them to be particularly smoochable. That's fair. Um, I smooch my dog it, on the on the nose, because it's very cute. I mean, so, yeah. well, exactly. Yeah. Like... Exactly. I would not smooch them in a romantic sort of situation. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we don't always have to be sexy around here. Sometimes it can just be, it can be platonic. And, you know, we, the not least smoochable vampires ever. <laughs> yeah, not the most smoochable vampires. That is absolutely fair. Uh, well, LD, that's, that's what I got for El Chupacabra oh, and El Chupacabra. Oh, um, we will look forward to the grunge in a few, a few episodes, uh, several episodes from now. We'll, we'll let the chupacabra settle down a little bit before we, uh, mm-hmm. we get our grunge on. Uh, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thank you for, for being my new co-host and, and thank Heck you for yeah. experiencing the chupacabra. I'm so glad to be here. And while we're doing thank yous. This is when I do this, That's, right? You I'm got assuming it. Yeah. So. Picked right. it up. Perfect. While we're do- <laughs> yeah. How, while we're doing thank yous, we should also give a thank you to Nick Lambert, our musician, the person who wrote the our, the theme song. An absolute bop. Number. Yeah. Yep, sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find Nick, who is uh, no longer the Pacific Northwest second most eligible bachelor. That is the correct. first being that is correct. Bigfoot, of course. Uh, you can find Nick at Lambertropolis. Or Lambertropolis? Lambertropolis, yeah. Lambertropolis. It's all one word. On Instagram, all one word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we ourselves here are members of the Sword and Key Network. Mm-hmm. You can find all of their links, all of the links, all of the links for Sword and Key at beacons.ai slash Sword and Key, all one word. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Sword & Key produces amazing podcasts like this one. Just like. And t- lots of TTRPG content, lots of cool, amazing charity streams. And since this is the month of October, uh, just a little shout out to all of the charity streams there. You guys are raising money for... We are raising money. They are raising you, money. You're a part of this, yeah. Yeah, I am. I, <laughs> Boz, you know, knows my way in here. Uh, for Patty, Patty Aware International, which is a Patty foundation Aware. that supports world's oceans, which, as we know here, are terrifying, but also deserving of being protected. Exactly. Uh, and also Plus. Fauna and Flora International for the game of Humblewood started recently. So, uh, which, which is, is going a wonderful through organization. the holidays too. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, protecting the world's animals, including the ones we don't know about yet, like cryptids. Exactly. Well, we got to protect the chupacabra clearly because they are very good. <laughs> yeah, cryptids. they're they're um, they're just losing believability by the second. We got to protect them. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, stick a, stay, check out. I know this is October. If you're listening to this when it comes out, um, there's a lot of really great charity games that are happening on the Sword and Key Twitch channel. Um, lots of beautiful, scary, spooky games uh, with some great GMs and some great players. So you should check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you can also find Sword and Key on like Twitch and mm-hmm. YouTube and yeah. things. Look for Sword and Key. Look and beacons.ai but you can also look for sword and key with underscores between the words on the twitch i know that it's all there uh like subscribe rate review if you go check us out at all those places um please and thanks you can also find us monster crush pod on instagram and twitter and blue sky you can find all our links at a link tree slash monster crush and from there you can tweet at us send us an instagram dm join the monster crush chat over on sword and keys discord or even email us so you can tell us your monster crush what monsters you'd like to hear in future episodes and share your own spooky experiences with us we might even share them on a future episode which would be really cool please do that I believe that's everything so friends. you did it you killed it I did it. You did it. Fantastic. Uh, okay. Well, I think there's one last thing I need from you. Yeah. Uh, I All I got is stay sucky, friends. Stay sucking indeed. It was right there. Chew <laughs> it up, baby. All right. Chupa Take care tubes. of yourselves, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.